learn to drive and learn to type. <clears throat> so my 16-year-old is learning to drive, and she's like, it's not that hard, but it is kind of difficult to keep track of what lane you're in and what speed you're supposed to be at. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not that hard. It's kind of crucial, isn't it? <laughs> This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Are you searching for a new job? That can be stressful, scary, and time-consuming. Pushy recruiters try to sell you on roles you don't actually want, and the job boards make you feel like you're throwing your resume into a black hole never to be seen again. And sometimes you go all the way through the interview process just to find out at the very end that the salary, offer, or company culture doesn't match what you're looking for. Hired is the world's most intelligent talent matching platform for full-time and contract opportunities in engineering development, design, product management, data science, sales, and marketing. We make your job search faster, focused, and stress-free. Instead of endlessly applying to companies and hoping for the best, Hired puts you in control of when and how you connect with compelling new opportunities. After completing one simple application, top employers apply to hire you. And on Hired, you receive personal interview requests and upfront salary information so you can make informed decisions about what opportunities to pursue over a condensed timeline. Hired offers access to more than 4,000 innovative employers, including big brand names like Facebook and smaller emerging startups. The size and type of company you want to connect with is totally up to you. And we help you find new opportunities in 17 major cities in North America, Europe, Asia, and Australia. Open to relocation? Let them know. Your privacy and autonomy in your job search is of utmost importance. So if you check them out at the show's link, that's Hired.com slash Freelancer Show, you can get double their normal hiring bonus. That's $600 instead of $300. So go check them out at Hired.com slash Freelancer Show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode number 259 of The Freelancer Show. On our panel this week, we have Jonathan Stark. Hello. And Philip Morgan. Hello, hello. And Curtis McHale. Hello. And I'm Ruben Lerner. And this week we have a special guest all the way from Sydney, Australia, as I'm sure you can hear now as we podcast. We have Anthony English. Hello. Welcome, Anthony. Great to be here from down under. So, Anthony, I think it would be best if we start with you telling us about yourself, sort of past, present, and future. We can then talk about how you're making various transitions and what people can think about when they do that, people including you. Yes. Okay. Well, uh, I, I was an IT. I've got I've got an IT background working on mid-range systems. I won't get any more technical than that, except to say that if you think of your, the mainframe systems uh, in computer systems in in big banks, uh, the next level down. Okay, those are mid-range systems. The market is not exactly heading in the right direction. And uh, so I, I forced myself uh, to, to learn a little bit about, you know, not going through agents and selling myself and selling my skills and that sort of thing. So that's the past. And the transition has been that I'm, I'm actually transitioning into business coach because I've learned so much and I've ended up mentoring others. And uh, it turns, turns out it's going, going quite well. Mm. So, so maybe you can give us a little more detail. Like, what do you say, business coach? Like, so what? Who do you work with, uh, mm. and what what kind of advice do you give them, and how do you talk to them? So, let me just jump back a bit. Every time, for years, every time that I go to a store, uh, especially a small place, if the business owner is there and if they're not too busy, I will ask them how's business, and I will usually have a very, very quick uh, conversation about what their big pain points are. And um, that's been extremely instructive for me because I, I've now got like loads of contacts and loads of information about all kinds of different industries. And so uh, I'm translating that in turn in, into people who themselves are highly technical, not necessarily IT, but definitely service professionals, uh, and who have got no idea themselves. They feel like they can't sell. They hate the idea of networking. They really just don't know uh, how to how to translate their amazing techni technical skills into into clients and pricing and those sort of things. Yeah. So, what yeah. advice do you give them? Like, let's let's start off with like you know. So, let's say I'm I'm a you know crackerjack developer. And mm. I've decided I'm going to hang out a shingle and I'm going to start you know, consulting because, mm. because once I 
put out my website and my sign saying Brilliant Consulting Services, Inc. Everyone is mm. just going to flock to me and I'm going to be flooded mm. with work. Um, <laughs> no? <laughs> well, yeah, that's exactly how it happens. Yeah, so just keep keep going. <laughs> well, almost the very first advice, and Philip will, will relate to this, almost the very first advice I, I, I give them is stop talking about your technical skills. It's going to take you about seven seconds to prove to me that compared to me, you're an expert. <laughs> and so really I get down to the question of, well, why would they even be, why would they even care? What business problem are you solving? Jonathan, I've learned so much from you and, and, and from Philip, I've learned so much from both of you about how to have that uh, why conversation. Okay. Yeah, the the, uh, the other day I sent an email about the squirrels in my garage <laughs> and how the we have, we just have the worst squirrel infestation in our garage and I I called someone out to come and take a look at it and you know nice guy walked around looked at everything and wrote up this whole entire page of tiny scribbled details of you know he's going to put a mushroom vent over here and a one-way door over there and white grill over here and all of this stuff and i'm like it nowhere on there did it say he was going to get rid of the squirrels you know like i'm like I, this is you know i was like okay it was like a full page i'm like reading it and i'm just looking for well, like how long is it going to take until the squirrels are gone and how long will they stay gone before i have to call you again mm. like that could have been the whole quote the whole quote could have been the squirrels will be gone forever as soon as we're done fifteen hundred dollars <laughs> Did, did he offer a guarantee at least? No, he did. No, he did not even say anywhere on there that it would do anything. He said he would do all of these things, all these activities. And like I said, he's a nice guy. And I'm sure in his mind, th those things all lead to squirrels being gone. But it was never explicitly stated. And and is it just a perfect example of what Anthony was just saying about, you know, talking mm -hmm. about your technical, technical skills and what you're going to do. And, and it just left me with a... You know, I didn't call anyone else. I didn't have anyone else to compare them to uh, because it's actually pretty hard to get someone to come out to your house to do this, apparently. And mm -hmm. I, I called many people. Well, many. I called probably three different places. Only got a call back from one. And eventually the guy came out after a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. So I didn't feel like I had a lot of choices. But it, had I had another option where they didn't get into all of the different things that they were going to do and do and do and do and just were like, your scrolls will be gone, it will take two weeks, and it will cost you this much. I would have almost certainly gone with that that option. It's, it's very interesting, and uh, uh, see, you, see the, your, the, your customer, you or you the customer, are at point A, and you want to get to point B. B. Now, you may think that you're at point A, and you may misdiagnose it, like, like the example you used one time, Jonathan, of Hey, doc, I need a heart bypass. Yeah, sure. Hop up on the table and take off your shirt and we'll get started, you know? <laughs> right. And, and so <laughs> you're taking them from A to – or, 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 the, or the other way is, is where you simply advertise your skills. And, uh, hi, I've got uh, – I'm a dentist. I'm a dental surgeon. I've been working in dental surgery for, for 20 years. I've got all of these skills, all of this equipment – any of you would any of you like some root canal surgery? It's, it's not a great way to sell, is it? And so what you're doing is you're taking them from A to B. They may they may not know that they're at point A. They may be completely mistaken about that. They may think that point B is going to is going to get them there. And what you're doing, see, they're assuming that you will see the connection between A. Sorry, you, you as the service provider or that squirrel provider may. Um, may be seeing himself as the transition. Look, you can see the connection from no, from squirrels in the roof to no squirrels in the roof. Here is how I'm going to get you there. He assumes that you already understand that his solution is going to is going to do what you want. You know, right? Like like it. You know, he he could just as easily be in, um, advertising himself as a mushroom vent installer. I don't even know what that is. I don't even know what that looks like or what it does, but that's what he told me he's going to do. I'm going to install mushroom vent. Okay. You know? So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, 
so easy to fall into that trap because of course you as a provider and you know someone who's trying to master their craft or maybe feels a sense of mastery over their skills and you know what they do their area of expertise it's mm-hmm. kind of an obsession that's how you end up being good at stuff in, in many cases so it's the natural thing to talk about but you're really just talking about yourself and you're kind of leaving your the people who stand to benefit from your expertise you're kind of leaving them in the dust and and so the funny the funny thing is it can it works good enough that nobody that people tend not to fix it so <laughs> because you know in this example I didn't have another feasible option. Like this guy showed up finally. And, mm. but I still had this huge question mark in my head. Like, is this a reasonable, I mean, if this works and it works for a long time, the amount of money he, he is charging is worth it to me, mm. but there's no guarantee. There's no indication. You know, my assumption is that this guy was nice and he was smart and these activities that he's apparently going to engage in, will presumably result in the things that we discussed. And it's, it's, it reminded me so much of a old style sales meeting when I would talk to somebody, you know, 15 years ago, getting ready to present an hourly quote and just talking to them about the scope. What are all the Mm. things that need to be done? And I wouldn't just let them, I was smart enough at least back then to not just let them, not let them just deliver a scope to me. I would, you know, we would, we would talk about scope and I would say, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? And uncover more and more landmines. But still all we were talking about is like the activities I was going to engage in. And then I was going to create an estimate based on how much work it was going to take me to do those activities. And we never ever talked about, or if we did, it was accidental that we would talk about the business goals, the business outcomes that they wanted to derive from the database software I was creating. Um, it, it, I suppose it was usually mentioned casually. And since I was working in FileMaker, which was work group software, it was generally always that they wanted to streamline their, their process. So it was kind of like the goal was impl- sort of obvious and implicit, but man, it was just really a coincidence when anything actually worked more than anything. We've got a we we have a problem in Australia. It's not squirrels, but possums. You you know what possums are, don't you? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So we have Giant possums rats. in the possums in the roof. Yeah, it's it's sort of cute. Uh, unlike giant rats, we also have problems with rats. But um, but this is very interesting, Philip. You may like to comment here. Is that so? We have a possums fellow who 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 comes in and does exactly the same. The, the same service, but his website says sleep tight, like you, you're going to sleep peacefully because that's what that's the problem is that I've got my problem isn't possums in the roof. My problem is that something is making a noise that's stopping me from sleeping. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's great. He's never read the positioning manual, uh, Philip. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Give, give me his name. I'll look him up. <laughs> I'm kidding, but so yeah. There's. Mm-hmm. It sounds like he gets it. You know, he gets that. At least for some segment of the market, they're looking for an outcome, not not a set of inputs. And I, I, I was when I spoke to him, I, I I asked the same dumb questions that probably everybody asks, and uh, and and then he was able to to relieve me very quickly. I realized, wow, this guy really understands. Uh, like because he warned about, look, if you do it this way, if people try and poison rats and poison poison possums, here is how it works, and here is why that's a really bad thing for the, for the world, you know. And um, and I within like one minute, I thought this guy, like, I am never going to go to anybody else. Uh, I, 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 yeah, and so it was. He just understood it. And he understood that my problem was sleep. <laughs> it was not possums. And and this and and he was saying, look, if I could wave a magic wand, you would you will be able to sleep. And I said, well, yeah, except for the freelancers show waking me up in the middle of the night because you know, it's three thirty <laughs> in the morning here. So you you're asking these great questions of these new business owners. I'm curious, sort of, how you decide to move from, you know, IT consulting 
to business coaching. Like you could have you could have gone into some sort of IT consulting. You could have become a specialist mm. there. What attracted mm. you to this, and, and how did you make the decision? And how have you sort of been making your way there? Mm. I guess we'll start with that. Okay, so so I am still I still have my finger in the pie of IT a little bit, but honestly, the the, the my particular field uh, is just not. Companies are just sitting on their old their old uh, systems, and they're not pouring any money at all into uh, in, into upgrading them, replacing them, or anything. And I, I realized I said, well, look, I, I could go down the path of you know learning Linux uh, and learning a, a new skill set, which I would probably learn pretty quickly. Uh, but the kind of skill set that I was working with, I was working with some really big companies and working through agents and when I tried to go out on my own working in that field I was just they just we, 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 we like what you do but we're so used to paying like $40 an hour you know, outsourced to India can you just come in and manage those people I said, mm, yeah well uh, not really and then they said well what about and I thought if I learned that other skill set that already so many other people have got and then I, I read a comment from Jonathan on on Twitter, one of your one of those tweets that really twists the knife, where it says like coding is <laughs> the least valuable part of your entire existence or something. And I thought, yeah, this this is not <laughs> this is not the way to go. The other thing, so the other thing was that in terms of speaking to business owners. I was, and, and those business owners could really be in lots of different fields, in retail or in all kinds of all kinds of areas. So there's definitely definitely no vertical there. Uh, but in speaking to them, I was able to find out their frustrations extremely quickly. And so I thought, well, if I can do that for them, uh, I can do that for service professionals. And in doing that for service professionals, I can teach them how to how to have that conversation with their clients because Anthony, I explained to them. Mm-hmm. Anthony, I wonder if we could circle back to the sure the sort of dying market thing because I've got some questions there before we move on sure, to the, sure. the the new horizon. So you sort of uh, implicitly, maybe or maybe explicitly, have a uh, made in Australia label on you, right? <laughs> You're, you're yeah, local oh, to those clients. Uh, yes. Was that ever an advantage? It sounds like that became not enough of an advantage to compensate for the lower rate that was coming from overseas competition. How, how did that work? How did you see that change over time? Great, great question. Uh, they Generally, the, with the size of the companies that I'm dealing with, they have millions of dollars invested in deals with some big outsourcer, uh, outsourcing team. And I cannot have that conversation with them and say, why don't you bring it all back here? They're extremely frustrated, but they know that it's not working, but they, they can't change, you know, the, the, yeah. So you're Uh, saying there's a sort of industry norm to use out outsourced, uh, you know, sort of body shops is what I would have called them back in the, the IT days. Yeah, for, for the for the bigger companies, mm-hmm. uh, for, the, for the much bigger companies, for banks and those sort of things, and for smaller for smaller companies, yeah, they could not see the value of doing anything other than keeping the lights turned on. Yeah. What was your first? Looking back now, this is you probably this is I'm guessing is a year or two of maybe starting to see this yeah. happen or, or at some period of time, yeah. like what was your first sign that you were, you were now dealing with a market where your value was diminished by these other alternatives? Well, when I was working for one of the very large, the, the very first sign, yeah, I, I would say when I was actually working in one of the uh, large outsources or was, I was close to them, there was a lot of nervousness among people who had been, in the game for 10, 15 years. And they were really very, very worried because I saw that, that they, they saw that people were 
were, were, were getting shafted. People were getting, and you just say, well, they're never going to get rid of this this guy. Like he's he knows everything. He's got security clearance uh, for this particular government department. They will never get rid of him because it's going to take six months for somebody new, even just to get that security clearance. And we've got a contract with that government department. Next next week he was gone. I just walked, hang on, <laughs> how is that going to help? And I realised that there was no, there seemed to be like no reason behind it. It seemed to be completely irrational. And the other thing was, was seeing how many of these people were scrambling for some, any desperate kind of new, new work. I might just open a coffee shop. I might go and sell things online. I might, and without having a clue about anything, uh, how to sell anything and how to build a website or anything. Yeah. And so that was, uh, yeah, I realized the writing was on the wall then. Mm. I mean, I ask that obviously because I'm interested in how markets change over time and, and how inevitable that is in so many markets where, you know, pure technical skill alone can be replaced with cheaper alternatives, right? You saw it happen firsthand. Well, the other thing that I found very, uh, I suppose, frustrating for me is that for myself, I found that in these teams I was training people. I was starting to speak to to people who had no no idea about my technical expertise, and I was able to talk to them. Project managers, I would be working on a on a on a large data migration, we would have uh, eleven companies involved, and I ended up being a key player there. And uh, because I was able to talk the language, and that was something that was extremely difficult for DBAs, the database administrators, or for networking people, or for the business owners, or for the stakeholders, to be able to translate their worldview to, to jump out of their silo. And I found that because I had worked with so many different teams, I was able to talk to the payroll person. I was able to talk to, uh, to, to the project manager. And, and, so I, and I really enjoyed that too. And I, I, I felt very much in a way like a big fish in a small pond. Because mm. I wanted to jump across the silo. I wanted to get across... To some, I realised that the world was bigger than my technical skills. So yeah, it, it, it's it's been a, a big adventure, uh, but it's been great. So I mean, I mentioned before, obviously, you know, mostly jokingly. So if you've got you know technical skills, you can hang out your shingle and everyone will flock to you. So you've now done that, but in a, not in a technical area, but in a business area. So what do you do to attract attention to yourself? Like how, how do you get clients? How do you get clients to, to trust you? Especially if they say, wait a second, I heard this guy in some podcast. He's only been doing this for a year or two. Uh, yeah, look, building the trust is really, uh, that, that seems to happen very fast for me. Um, and in fact, even to the point where I would say that if I, if I mention something like a guarantee, uh, it, they're, they're really quite dismissive of the idea that look, of course, uh, it, they 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 look don't don't worry about that. that. That's not an issue. I could be speaking to the owner of an art art gallery, and uh, or to the owner of a furniture shop, or to a marketing person. It doesn't really matter. That I, I build trust very quickly, which is which is great, and I think that's. Uh, uh, that just I'm, I'm not quite sure what that is, whether that's a function of my personality, but uh, what I so how did I do it? Well, one thing that I have done recently and with uh, with with surprising success is uh, is use LinkedIn. Um, what I don't know how that piece of junk. <laughs> <laughs> but it's got a great UX. Yeah, yeah, great yeah. The change changes every five minutes. Yeah, yeah. I wish it would change a bit more, but um, uh, uh, Curtis, are you on? Are you on uh, LinkedIn? Yes, yes, I am. <clears throat> I use it a bit, but I, mm. at least in development days, I never found it useful, and I haven't dove in past that uh, I, with 
my coaching. So I and I republish my blog post there, but that's really all I do. I respond to whatever's on there when I show up. I have I have tried YouTube videos. I made a video with my eleven year old daughter a couple of Mm. weeks ago. And uh, and I shared that on Facebook and it went well viral. I mean, it got six hundred views, which for me is viral. And the the, the video was simply uh, about teaching her. Uh, she pretended to be a florist, and I came into to the florist and I said, "Hi, uh, I'd, I'd like to buy some flowers for my wife." And she said, "Well, she started with, well, how much did you want to spend?'" And I said, well, 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 nothing, if possible. Could you give them to me for free? <laughs> <laughs> and then we did. She said, okay, let's try that again. And so I'm training her. How, and so I'm showing off my you know, coaching skills. So then I come in again. I said, okay, hi, I'd like to buy some flowers. And she said, oh, great. Uh, have you spent have – you, have you budgeted at least $50 for, for this? And then there was an upsell of the next version, the next amount of flowers, you know, an extra twenty dollars. And then the third time I come in, I uh, I come in and she says, "Oh, you're buying flowers for your wife? What? It's not an anniversary. It's not a birthday. Oh, wow! You just for nothing at all. Wow! You're really going to get the the brownie points for that. And then oh, you have to take it to a lovely restaurant, and we'll have to get a violinist in." And of course, you want to get some wonderful flowers for her. I said, "Well, yeah, I do." Well, she sounds really special, and she said, "Well, great, that sounds really wonderful." And she says, "Well, okay." Uh, so look, that will be two hundred and twenty dollars, and I'm happy to pay it. And so, what I was doing, so this is a roundabout way of explaining my strategy here, is I'm showing showcasing my. Uh, how I, I can actually talk even to an 11-year-old and train her up in selling. Look, if she can do it, you can even though you're a developer. So so what I've done on LinkedIn uh, has been changing my, my summary profile and particularly the headline because most people use LinkedIn like, a, like it's an online CV. It's like they're applying for a job in the 1990s. And... And uh, I thought, well, what if we do it differently? What if we make it client-focused, almost like a sales page? So instead of saying, here are our skills and here's, uh, here, here are the specialties at the, at the end of uh, LinkedIn, my LinkedIn profile, and it reads like keyword stuffing of all of the different kinds of <laughs> technologies you've worked on, what if we did it differently? What if we put in a new headline, nothing else, just the headline, and that alone got me leads literally overnight. It was unbelievable. What What was your old hmm. headline? What was your new one? So my old headline was, uh, yeah, was was probably the IT specialist in in my particular field. Uh, that you know, high end ex- or highly experienced IT specialist in my in my particular field. Uh, and the new one, I simply started off with business coach. Business coach, similar to what Philip, what you do in the positioning manual. I'm going to get you better leads, uh, and that was. I, I tried to narrow it down to service professionals. Somehow, that service professionals seem to be attracted anyway. Uh, to to me, I said whether that's because they're seeing me on LinkedIn, but you don't. I didn't even need to narrow it down. And all of a sudden, I'm getting people saying we need to talk, and it's it's been really interesting. And the other thing that I've done is some content marketing on LinkedIn. Share with me, everyone, what what give me a social media 101 in like three seconds. What sort of what's the most important thing that you do on social media to attract attention? What would you what would you say? Be contrarian. Contrarian. <laughs> Rant about hourly billing, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no one would ever do that. Uh, <laughs> I say that. That's what I do. I don't know that if it really works. I don't. I don't know how many people. Uh, I mean, my followers continue to go up. I don't. But I don't really have any actual data that says that somebody who saw me on Twitter ended up no. buying a book or anything like that. It's been my experience that conversions from. Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, whatever, pretty low. 
I mean, I, I, I use social media, I, I use my blog basically to just sort of demonstrate technical expertise and mm. draw people in to get on my mailing list where hopefully I'll demonstrate more expertise and hopefully they'll then buy my books and other services. Yeah, but you're selling to a technical audience because you're right, doing exactly. training, right? Right, exactly. So, I mean, well, you could argue, although I won't do it very effectively, you could argue that I'm, I'm selling to the business people in those businesses, like the training managers who need like more convincing perhaps like i think it might be and this is maybe a stretch that if a technical person says hey this reuben guy like should do a course then the the training manager if they don't know who i am might say well show me their website if they see i have lots of posts on say python they might say okay well you know we we, can give it a shot um but Mm. at the end of the day i don't think that happens nearly as often as someone technical just saying yeah we'll give them a call right well on social media i've i have uh I've had it drilled into me as in my DNA. You must share images and be engaging and put your personality there and so on. However, LinkedIn, <laughs> I did. I actually did an A/B test. I put in some articles with some great headlines or, and with some images and all of the all of ticking all of the right boxes. And they had extremely low reach. There was like 30, 30 people would click on the link. And and these were articles on how to get a testimonial or or things that I thought would be really really valuable, and uh, and then I put some posts in. So for those who are not familiar with uh, with LinkedIn, uh, you put posts simply just an update, a status update, and that status update could have can include images and links and videos, including videos of me with my eleven year old daughter, and. And then I'd put in some text-only posts, so it's like five paragraphs, and they seriously outperformed anything in terms of the number of views. Um, I put in a text-only post, and I had like nine thousand views. Wow! <laughs> now, Compared now when you say posts, no, when you say posts, like this is not because I on my blog, I'll then have it sort of connect to LinkedIn, LinkedIn, and have it then mentioned. But you're saying something different, right? You're yes. not saying post from somewhere you're saying like natively inside of LinkedIn. Correct. No links at all. Not, not, I mean, I haven't done a really thorough, thorough AB test, but I created a spreadsheet. I said, look, guys, I've written these, what I thought were great articles with wonderful, valuable content and uh, hardly anybody got to see them. Now I've put in these fairly, fairly, well, no, I wouldn't say uninteresting posts, but simply something, well, I, I put in one that was, it started, had a, a very emotional lead. It said, the biggest mistake I ever made with my writing was not to listen to my parents when I was, when I was a child, because they told me, don't talk to strangers. And that's exactly what I've been doing. I've been writing to strangers. I've been writing anonymously, no positioning. I've been talking uh, just to to the whole world, talking to nobody, and so anyway, that, that's that's the gist of my uh, of my post is, is simply saying look, when you're talking to somebody, when you're writing for somebody, write to one particular person about their specific problem. Expensive expensiveproblem.com, hmm? and um, and and then that got shared. Um, and yeah, it, it, it was just amazing. I was just how could, this text-only post that's got no bolds, no headings, no images, nothing is is and and then within within a, a few hours, I had people contacting me saying, you know, somebody like is the head of the real estate uh, association contacting me. I've got nothing to do with real estate. Contacting me, asking me, can we can we connect? And then taking the next step has been really, really fascinating as well. Mm. Because the next step is not, hey, do you want to buy? But uh, for some of them, I will, I will send them a personal invitation and uh, something really pointed, really related to their profile. Here's something that you're doing really well. By the way, you may like to change this. And, uh, uh, and, and what I've been doing also is offering them, I say, look, why don't we both create a little webinar or a little podcast or, I mean, not a whole podcast show, but why don't we go and create some content? I'll do an interview with you uh, and 
you can share it with your audience and I can share it with mine. And the response has been great. Isn't it funny to compare that to any whatever marketing you tried to engage in in the sort of enterprise IT space where for you know five years you wouldn't get one person contacting you or then all of a sudden you tap into something that connects with people and they're immediately knocking on your door. Yeah, you know, I think it's called positioning. <laughs> it's shocking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's it's been really like interesting works. for me? Well, what's been interesting for me is that uh, the number of views is in a way, I mean, I'm just scrolling scrolling past on their timeline with those number of views. But these posts that are doing, that are getting so many views, they take two minutes to write, whereas an article takes a long time to think about. And But you think, hey, okay, well, so what? I've, I've scrolled past so many people's timeline. Who cares? But then I find the number of people who view my profile. They need to click on my profile with the nice summary, with the headline, which isn't a job description. And uh, week on week, every day on LinkedIn, you get a a message saying you can look up how many people have looked on your profile since last week. And my numbers are up like 50%, 71%, you know, that sort of thing. So a, a larger number of people are looking at my profile every every week. Mm. And does additional profile views really seem to uh, lead to more leads and or more business? More leads, definitely. Uh, more business. I'm just too early in in the process, but I am finding people who are who, who have just gone out on their own they've been working as part of an agency or something and they say look I've just opened my own franchise as a VA uh, so a virtual assistant franchise or or they're in marketing or and 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 they will have a conversation I will share with them something something valuable and uh, they'll just say, like, this is just amazing. This is great. And I'll say, okay, I've, I've, I've actually stolen this from Jonathan or from Philip Morgan, but don't tell anybody, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, what you do, uh, Reuven, is that you immediately build that relationship and uh, you have had a one-on-one conversation with somebody who is a decision maker, uh, sometimes in quite large businesses. And you've just got their attention immediately and and even their gratitude. So that's what I would consider a lead. Now, when they contact you, are they saying, wow, that was really like an interesting thing you said? Or are they just yes. doing the standard LinkedIn? Okay, okay. So it's not just, hey, I'd like to connect. It's They're, they're truly reacting to what you wrote. Uh, well, well but both things. But I make a point that if somebody – here's been my strategy here on LinkedIn – So once again, for those who aren't familiar, you have your first degree connections. And so those are people who you have mutually agreed to be similar to like a Facebook friend. But now if you are a first degree connection of mine and you happen to have liked one of my posts, then your own connections who may not be connections with me, so they're second degree, if you like, uh, they will see that, that you have liked this post. And now what happens is if somebody from a second degree connection then likes my post or even comments on it, that's that's almost like that's like a hot lead because I will then reach out to them. I will send send them a very, very short invitation to to connect directly with me. I say, Thank you for very much for your comment. I see that you're working in, in the UK, I see that you're working in, in in this or that. Hey, I I know somebody who works in that or or I really like what you've done on your profile here. You may like to change this one thing. Uh, why don't you put in, a, put in a LinkedIn banner to show, you know, if you're a speaker, why don't you put in a LinkedIn banner of you on stage? Something like that. Something really, really small that's extremely easy for them to implement. And, and they will almost always come back, get back to me within a few minutes and thank me. And they've seen the value, you see. I'm curious, Anthony, about mm. what kind of people use LinkedIn. I know that sounds terrible the way I phrased it, but there's, mm. um, I mean, I think there is a group of people who like really just hate that piece of software and maybe they sort of begrudgingly use it. So have you noticed mm. like who uses it? What, what do they like? 
Mm. <laughs> it sounds like a loaded, loaded question, Philip. I, well, it's not meant to be. It's just, I mean, really, it does come from curiosity. Mm. And it's not like, oh, I have well, some, it's not, not a trick question, but also yeah, I do okay. get the sense that it's a kind of polarizing piece of software. So I'm curious if you've seen oh, any patterns. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I think a lot of us have a, like a hate, hate relationship with it. Right. And, uh, uh, and th- yeah, and so I, I would find that some a very large number of people are just like never check their LinkedIn. They happen to be on LinkedIn, but they never, you know, they they really they just never use it. But what what really amazes me is that people I, I will run into people who have who I haven't seen in so definitely service professionals. Like if if you're a um, if you're a possum removalist, I, I, I wouldn't recommend <laughs> going on LinkedIn to <laughs> to share your expertise. Uh, but what one thing that really really surprised me was I met a fellow at a conference. Literally, the last time that I had met him was six years before. I had had no contact whatsoever in any respect with him. Not an email, nothing ever. And I then ran into him at some conference, and this is a fellow in charge of a very large um, multi-million dollar budget. I won't go into details. And, uh, and, and, and I met him at this conference, and I said, oh, by the way, I have transitioned to X, whatever, whatever my positioning statement was that week, and um, uh, I have transitioned into doing this. And he immediately responded, said, yeah, yeah, I saw that on LinkedIn. Goodness, how did he even notice? On one of his like hundreds or thousands of contacts, it is really, it's so easy to shine on on LinkedIn. I, I was amazed. That's interesting. I mean, it, it superficially has the appearance of being a very crowded, noisy thing, uh, like like most social media tends to be. Um, but you're saying that just a little bit of effort, you can stand out from that noise. You would be amazed at how small the effort is, uh, Philip. It's uh-huh. uh, well, I, I I know a fellow who changed his the headline. Nothing else in his entire he he does websites for consultants, and he changed his headline in his LinkedIn profile. He didn't change a single other thing, and that itself just started getting him leads. Hmm. Nice. <laughs> it's really easy to shine. As long as you stop thinking of it as a CV, as an online CV. Cool. Mm. Yes. <laughs> and while you're all going to get notifications, I updated my profile after this. <laughs> Maybe a little bit so, during this as we talked, but. <laughs> so you can, you, you, you can, well, one of the things that is, uh, I suppose it's really positioning on steroids is that, you make sure that when you do either do an update or even comment on other people's posts, I would, I would, for example, I would never comment on somebody. Somebody may be making a political statement, which I may agree with completely or I may disagree with violently. I would never even comment on it. It's just not relevant to my audience. And, uh, uh, and I, I, I tend to be hyper focused now on what it is that I'm posting about. Everything is somehow going to relate back to getting better leads for your service business, uh, and uh, something that is that somebody who is running their own business is going to say, "Well, that is something that I can implement straight away. That is something useful for me." Uh, and yeah, and, and LinkedIn has got some extremely annoying uh, uh, updates. It, it tells you, congratulations, uh, Curtis McHale has been in this new job for for four years. Congratulate him on his anniversary. Well, it's not actually the anniversary of <laughs> Curtis Curtis's job. It's the anniversary of when he updated his LinkedIn profile. And of course, we all have celebrations mm. on four years in our job, don't we? These days, I mean, you know, <laughs> we, we do. <laughs> I I found it neat once as I was working one day, and someone messaged me and was like, "Hey, Curtis, you've been running your business for ten years today." And I was like, "Oh, so I have." 
at least 10 years since I've played right. it, which is still, exactly. I couldn't tell you the exact name, but I was like, wow, it has been 10 years. That's crazy. Just like the one time, the rest of the you're right. I don't care. <laughs> if you're personally invested in your business, then that's great. Or if you're a full-timer and that means something to you. But these days, I mean, all of us are trying to make a, a you know, 1K on the side, aren't we? How many people... Like if you asked me three or four years ago, I went through agencies when I went into uh, out of IT, out of a full-time job, and I went to work for, for through agencies because I was too scared to run my own business. And I was the slowest freelancer on the planet in terms of learning all of this stuff. Uh, certainly Philip and Jonathan are both – I've been on the receiving end of my tears where I've <laughs> what am I going to do? How am I going to get some money out of this? Philip's going to say in his very gentle way, well, look, I'm in favor of eating. So, yes, keep keep eating. That's a good thing. <laughs> I love it. I love eating. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so, um, uh, so I realize that there are so many people who have got very deep insecurities around whether you call it imposter syndrome or they just don't know how to charge, they don't know how to find new clients, they're quite scared. Uh, they are, they know, and so they fall back. Their, their fallback position is, well, what do I know really well? I know my technical expertise. Let me talk about that. I know how to get squirrels out of the roof, so let me talk about that. Oh, not get them out of the roof. I know how to put in a mushroom. What's the thing, Jonathan? Mushroom vent. Yeah. Mushroom vent, yeah. I know how to put in mushroom vent, so let me talk about that. And so what I'm doing is is showing them, well, I can take you out of that. You, you still hold on to your technical expertise. You're not going to lose any of that, and you won't even be able to hide it anyway. You don't need to keep talking about that. Talk about the client. Talk about the client's problem. Here is how to have a conversation about that. And so that's been the transition for me, teaching them how to do that and then yeah, hopefully turning that into some sort of business coaching course with some products uh, and, yeah, and using LinkedIn. I mean, who'd have thought? But I, I never wanted to start a business. I, I, I was very, very frightened of the, the whole idea. And now um, – yeah, I mean, I'm in my 50s, and I have a very, very young family. We have seven children, so I'm highly motivated to make this thing work, and uh, so are they, <laughs> because they're in favour of eating as well. Mm. <laughs> are they your your uh, your sort of back office team? <laughs> you got the kids there. Uh... Going out and commenting on people's LinkedIn profiles. <laughs> it, it was interesting because I drive them crazy when I when I'm driving down the streets of Sydney, and I'll say, "Look at that shop. Well, what do you think? Is it like is it expensive? Is it, is it like what do you think of that shop?" And I said, "Dad, do we have to talk about the signs and and but they." They can see that the positioning is wrong. Is that a shop will say, "Well, it was something like well, you know, best quality." And at the ch cheapest prices, and you can see that there that there's a problem there. Mm. Um, but when I did a video, I did a series of videos with my 11 year old daughter. Uh, one of my colleagues uh, in in the US said, "Mr. English needs to talk less. Let the little girl do. <laughs> <laughs> Let her on camera." Mm. So, so even if their dad, daddy dies in poverty, I'm sure that they're all going to be very, very strong in business if they decide to go down that path. <laughs> well, glad to know there's some compensation. <laughs> On that uplifting note. <laughs> <laughs> um, Anthony, any other comments, suggestions uh, you might have before we wrap up and start on picks? Yes. Uh, the, the, the one thing that I would say is uh, worry a little bit less or a whole lot less about tactics and lead magnets and uh, and learn to understand the client and learn to sell because that's the one weak point in especially for those of a technical audience uh, it's 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 the it's the one Achilles heel and it's actually it's actually a, a, a lot of fun learning how to understand and talk the language of the client themselves, yeah. Okay, very good. 
Let's get into some picks. Uh, Jonathan, do you have anything for us this week? Obviously, I have to pick the mushroom vent because (laughs) clearly. (laughs) Uh, Well, since we were just talking about LinkedIn and the possibilities that exist there, I am going to recommend a post that I got from Jake Jorgovan. Am I saying that right? Uh And he he (laughs) published a post with the questionable title. One simple trick to generate more leads on LinkedIn. Mm. And it, uh, it is, a, it's half of what you said. And then it has a sort of mm. questionable half to it of, of yes. using a robot to ping. Yes. You know, you see that, have you seen this? Um, but that's but, the fifth, you're the fifth person this week to tell me about this one. About this yeah. Post. Cause it seems so clever in a, it's almost kind of, it's almost spammy, but it's it walks the line. But the the point of it is, I, I think it's worth reading because even if you don't, if even if you decide not to use the the sort of browser plugin to view, you know, whatever it does it has it's sort of this automation to touch massive amounts of profiles, so that then they do what you just talked about, where you know you set up a really clear value proposition in your headline or whatever it's called your your little one line bio that shows up underneath your name and face and if you can do that in a way that that is you know makes sense to the reader it's it's, you know in at least in the case of this article you know it's like you can have pretty good result generating leads so you know you can just take it as far as you want and be as spammy or not spammy as you want to be but i think LinkedIn is starting to get more and more on my radar as well. I share your surprise about it, but I think it's worth mm. paying attention to for a certain type of uh, certain type of audience. Mm. And so my other pick, I have one other pick. I got a one of the new 10-inch iPad Pros with Apple Pencil and AirPods. The full, I went all the way into the walled garden, way to the end of the cul-de-sac. And got all of the the Apple, like the the vision of the future that Apple is trying to put on us. I'm fully bought into it. I'm going to give it a shot and try and leave my laptop behind. See if I can exist just with this iPad. With the possible exception of recording podcasts like this. <laughs> but uh, so far, it's only been about a week, but... That Apple Pencil is jaw-dropping. I mean, it is absolutely amazing. If you need to mark up documents or you have any kind of artistic talent, even if you don't, it makes you, it's kind of like auto-tune for your drawing. It's, uh, it's, it's really, really impressive. So I'll report back on that in the future if I decide that it was a big mistake, but uh, it's been great so far. Wow, very cool. Uh, Philip, what you got for us this week? Uh Last week, I think, I rebooted my personal podcast, the Consulting Pipeline Podcast. I'm publishing episodes every day now. This is going to uh, sound crazy, but because I'm lazy uh, in certain ways, I'm publishing them seven days a week instead of five because in Simplecast, their user interface for choosing a publication date has these uh, drop-downs, like you choose the month from a drop-down, and then you go choose the day. And I don't want to have to look up on a calendar which day is a weekend day. So I'm just publishing it seven days a week. <laughs> I've got plenty of material. So <laughs> uh, I was wondering when you were going to start, start working harder instead of working smarter, Philip. That's the peak of working smart. And now it's the descending slope into working hard again. <laughs> Well, I, I've taken a leap out of both of the books of uh, both both of you, Jonathan and Philip, who do daily uh, daily emails, and I don't have an email list yet, but I have been updating LinkedIn every day with some sort of post or something, and and yeah, that has been very very effective. And I was initially embarrassed doing it, <laughs> but. Um, but now I realize that there are some people who post like 385 times a week. And I think, well, okay, I'm doing it once once a day. That's okay. <laughs> it's really it's paradoxical. Those daily things mm. are just um, – they're easier to do, I found, for me than, than yeah. like once a week. Like, okay, I'm Thursday. I'm going to write something, send it out on Friday. That never happened for me. 
Or mm. I mean, it, when it did happen, it was a fluke. Anyway, so yeah, the Consulting Pipeline podcast is back up with new episodes that are coming out um, every day of the week. And that's at consultingpipelinepodcast.com. Uh, mostly it's me talking about specialization, <laughs> despite the name. Mm -hmm. um, name doesn't exactly match the content. But and, I think and that's... How, how long would those episodes be? The shortest one is probably four minutes. Um, longest one thus far right. is 15, 20 minutes. Right. So right. They're, they're kind of short, easily digestible. Sure. So that's, that's my pick for this week. Very nice. Curtis? I'm going to pick a pen. I got given this pen at Christmas from a friend that knew I like pens, and it's a right-in-the-rain pen, the 93K, and it literally writes through water. I had it out on the weekend on a backpacking trip with the kids, and it's like in the water and then had to write something down in my notebook and literally just wet hands wrote down in my notebook and kept going, playing with the kids. Didn't even have to worry about the notebook or anything. So it's a great little pen. It writes well on like all types of paper from the crazy field notes expedition, which is like plastic almost. And you can literally like dunk in the sink when it's been dirty. I just rinse it out of the sink and then keep using it <laughs> to like just a normal notebook. So it's great. Excellent. Anthony, what you got? Yes. Well, there's a fellow in Australia who has uh, – he, he interviews uh, people who have either made a deal or lost a deal. And, uh, and he, he, he interviews them and asks them, well, why did you win this deal? And he says a lot of people think, well, I'm only going to ask what, do I, what did I win? Uh, what, uh, what, what, uh, sorry. I'm only going to either you win or you learn. But he says, no, you actually learn from winning as well. Like it is not just from, from the ones that you lose. And he says the people, so it's called trinityperspectives.com.au, uh, the AU for Australia. And he finds that people who say, here's why we won, it's usually price or we had a competitive superior product or the quality of the team. But in fact, uh, what happens is that people say, well, no, actually, the reason that you really won, once he actually speaks to the buyers, is they say it was the quality of the people. It was a cultural fit. It was more like EQ skills. So he's written this book called uh, Rebirth of the Salesman, uh, kind of taking off from the death of the salesman with you know uh, Willie Loman. You remember that that book, some of the some of our older audience. And uh, yes, a rebirth of the salesman. And he, he says here's how to learn from what you win or what you lose, why buyers buy, why they don't buy. Uh, what, do you really understand uh, what that decision-making process is? It's really been interesting. Very nice. Uh, what deals lost. Oh, mm. Okay, so I've got a pick or two as well. Uh, first of all, uh, since, since it was mentioned uh, during our pre-show call, I'll mention that I, I love my keyboard from Das Keyboard. Uh, and yes, that is, I, I, I don't speak any German, so I'm sure that it's just a joke name that you don't really say Das Keyboard in German. Um, but as you can hear from me typing, it is designed to uh, um, give you incredible typing pleasure and drive away your enemies. Um, <laughs> and friends and family, really Does anyone. And possums as well. Exactly, exactly. That's well, <laughs> almost as effective as mushroom bombs. Um, <laughs> uh, that's a, that's the next version of the keyboard. So if you're interested, I mean, if you're like me and you type a lot and you really like having the the firm uh, clicky feedback of a, a good uh, a, a good keyboard, I've had this now for, for I think about four years, and uh, I really enjoy it. Um, the second thing is, um, as I have mentioned before in the podcast, I'm quite the uh, political junkie. And so I read this book, I think it was in the newspapers probably about a month or two uh, already, called Shattered, Inside Hillary Clinton's Doomed Campaign. Um, and I must say it's fascinating, fascinating in the horrifying sense um, of can people, you know, could people really have been that um, blind to what was going on and that unwilling to accept information that was contrary to what they wanted to hear. And so not only do I think it's a, a sort of interesting book about politics, which it is, but it's also an important thing to keep in mind, like 
very often when I'm running my business, it's like, oh, well, everything is great, right? And uh, it's nice to sort of keep an eye on the actual metrics we've got in terms of income and clients and leads and so forth, so that we're not surprised when reality hits us in the face. Uh, or the glass ceiling, but up bomb. Anyway, uh, definitely worth uh, taking a look at the book for those of you who are political junkies and or um, just sort of want to hear how a large organization can go terribly wrong. Um, and I think with that, we will conclude this podcast. Anthony, thank you. Oh, yes, yes, thank you. Um, so, Anthony, if you would please let us know, they um, uh, put in the show notes how we can uh, how we get in touch with you. Find out more yeah. about you, any one of our listeners who wants to hear more from you or about you or get in touch with your services. Yes. So yes. We'll, uh, we'll stick that in the show notes for all of our listeners to take sure. a look at and enjoy. Um, sure. Thanks to all of you on the panel for participating. Thanks to all of you out there for listening to us. And we'll be back next week here on The Freelancer Show. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.